0: Welcome to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. This is Diane Estabrook, staff writer for McKnight's Home Care Daily. Arosa Home Care CEO Ari Medoff is a bold, outspoken leader in the home care industry. At the recent Home Care Association of America conference in Orlando, he went as far as to say the home care industry is essentially broken and needs fixing. When we spoke for this podcast, he told me his view of the industry was shaped by his graduate studies on public policy at Harvard's Kennedy School.
1: One of the things that I became keenly aware of during my, uh, during my time there and studied a lot, both uh, domestically and then also internationally, was the fact that we have growing inequality in the United States. I think for 40 years, from about 1980 to, to 2020, we had a uh, very significant growth in inequality uh, in terms of wages, and, and then also in terms of job quality. So, while a lot of my classmates um, would go on to work at the McKinseys or the Goldman Sachs of the world, there are a lot of Americans that uh, you know that don't have some of those same opportunities and the quality and and dignity around blue collar uh, work, you know, or hourly work, if we want to call it that. Uh, now, I think gig economy is, is probably the more standard term, you know, it is is very different than it was 50, 60 years ago. And then going internationally, uh, I spent some pretty transformative time in Pakistan in the summer of 2009, spent time a couple different occasions uh, in Ethiopia. And one of the things that I saw in both those places is what it means to society when there aren't opportunities to have good jobs? What happens when the private sector, which employs by far the largest number of people um, in any economy, what happens when the private sector is not really operating with kind of broader societal goals in mind? And so Buying a small business, buying Nurse Care of North Carolina uh, 10 years ago, actually, it was 10 years ago uh, uh, on October 1st. So just celebrating a decade uh, in this in this amazing industry. So buying Nurse Care of North Carolina and buying a small business to, to run it, grow it really has been about creating better jobs. So at Arosa, we hold that part of our mission as the top part of our mission. And and I do like to say that the order matters because this is a, a necessary condition for us to do anything else. So that is to attract, train, retain, and treasure the best care professionals. So if we can't attract, train, retain, and treasure the best care professionals, we can't do anything else.
0: I was at the Home Care Association of America conference in Orlando a couple of weeks ago, and you said something, and I think this is what you're getting to. You said, and it was a very bold statement, something along the lines of the business model for home care is essentially broken. What did you mean by that? And and were you alluding to what you just talked about, about the way we value home care workers?
1: Diana, I was alluding to the job quality is one third of that broken equation. So the home care business model and you know, y'all. I'm not sharing any uh, big industry or trade secrets or Rosa. You know, uh, intellectual property here. The industry business model is build to X, pay X, and then try to make a margin out of the remaining X. So, you know, maybe that is billing $30 uh, an hour to a client, paying $15 an hour to a a direct care teammate. And then, um, you know, and then again, trying to make a margin out of the remaining dollars there. So breaking that down by components, yes, we'll start with uh, caregiver wages and and caregiver pay. Uh, That $15 an hour is not a living wage. And we need to look ourselves in the mirror. We need to be honest about the fact that we are not able to pay living wage right now. And. The other pieces of that are the the, um, other job structure uh, realities that uh, that come into play. So, for example, our caregivers being variable hour employees, when a client passes away because the client is 102 years old, or when the client moves from home into assisted living, our caregiver, our teammate, through absolutely no fault of his or her own, is effectively out of a job. Now, we will do our darndest to get that uh, teammate working quickly. We will try to make a good match. But the reality is that it's it's incredibly disruptive and scary and upsetting um, for our caregivers who maybe they've been working with the same client 40 or 50 hours a week for years. And then not only have they lost a relationship that uh, that that probably means the world to them, that, you know, might be as close as a parent or a grandparent to them, but they also are worrying and nervous and, and quite frankly, terrified about next week's paycheck. Um, so, and, and then culturally, uh, if, if your place of work, you know, Diane, if, if your place of work were... Um, someone's, you know, the, the Smith family household for uh, for years, and maybe you would come into the agency's office once or twice or five or six times a year, you are not going to feel particularly connected to to the company for whom you work and, and from whom you're getting a paycheck. So uh, job quality is absolutely one third of that equation. And I'll run through the other two thirds of it very quickly. But the reality is that 2x, Right, what we bill clients—that thirty dollars—or now in California and many places, it's forty dollars an hour. That is um, that that is quite frankly unachievable, unaffordable for way too many Americans uh, to to really consider keeping their loved one at home. Um, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I knew that twenty dollars an hour, uh, tw- twenty dollars an hour, twenty-four-seven care translated into one hundred seventy-four thousand two hundred dollars. So again, $174,200 was how much it would cost to keep someone at home with full time round around-the-clock care. I haven't even uh, updated my, my quick math uh, to know. But you know it's about $350,000 in some places, or, or again, certainly over $250,000 cash out of pocket to keep someone home around the clock with two 12-hour uh, shifts a day. Um, that is again just simply significantly out of reach for most American families, and we have to do better because the, we've all seen the stats. The ARP every year, year after year after year, shows us 89%, 91%, you know, 92% of Americans want to age in place. And uh, I, I think honestly, that number would be 99% of people or 100% of people felt confident about how they could do so. Um, I, I think intergenerational neighborhoods, communities, uh, the familiarity of surroundings, I, I think is really critical to healthy aging. Um, but, but we as an industry have not yet figured out how to make that more affordable. The third thing I'd say, and piece of that equation that also isn't working really uh, as well as it could or should, is the margins in our business. So to, uh, to our clients and to our caregivers, they think that agencies and companies have these very big margins because, uh, because again, the gross margin can seem deceptively healthy. But when you take into account very high workers' comp rates and payroll taxes and rent and the amount of support that uh, of office support, recruiters and scheduling coordinators or what we call care specialists, when you take into account all the different uh, facets that it that it takes to really make a great uh, personal care company or home care company run. Um, that the margins are not stellar and there's not enough money to reinvest in innovation and uh, and, and new types of models. And so uh, Diane, I, re- I really think that all three pieces are uh, suboptimal right now, and that is why it is so incumbent upon us, to come up with new ideas and to try new models out, and to you know give the market what they don't even know uh, is possible.
0: You mentioned try a new model out. Um, what what might a model be? And and along the same line, what are you trying to do as a business businessman to work within the confines of the structure that we currently have?
1: So. We at Arosa are incredibly proud of the fact that we have an integrated care management and home care model. So we we have approximately 80 care managers uh, across the country um, in, in each of our different offices and care, care management, sometimes called geriatric care management or life care management. Um, the, these are experts who guide families through the aging journey, and really are expert problem solvers at the end of the day. Most of our care managers, many of them are are social workers by background, some are nurses, and so we bill on an hourly basis for the care management that we provide. Some of our clients get just care management, some of our clients get just home care, and then many of our clients uh, get both care management and home care services at the same time. I think that this is a very important service line and and I would love to see this industry, this care management industry grow because so many families could avail themselves of care management. You know, we were talking about uh, the amount of cost for 24-7 home care earlier. No one's getting 10 hours of care management a day. No one's getting five hours of care management a day or even weekly in, in most cases. So um, I think that we need more services uh, that that again can bring different disciplines to really enable aging in place um, under one roof. Uh, you know, it, I'll give you another small example of a service line extension that we are thinking about, and I've seen one or two other companies do, but uh, not in quite as systematic a way as I would like. Pet therapy pet therapy services. And if if we don't want to call it therapy, uh, you know, for for insurance or legal reasons, just call it pet visits, things to enhance quality of life for our clients that really can change someone's day and change someone's mood and change someone's physiology. Uh, you know, I, I think that it is such a Reality that so many of our seniors today that we see uh, suffer from some degree of isolation, some degree of mental health, uh, you know, depression is is all too common. And and so and, and you and I know the uh, effects that that can lead to. So I think things that we can do to brighten people's day, uh, you know, are huge. I, I would love to see adult day as a service line uh, continued to grow, uh, really was battered during the pandemic, uh, of course, as so many were, were closed and shut down for several years. But I look at adult day as a good example of a business model where there is some operating leverage, right? Uh, and, and by that, Diane, I mean that one caregiver is taking care of multiple clients uh, You know, in, in an adult day setting. That means that you can pay a caregiver more. It means that you can charge clients less. And um, and, and I think that from what I've seen, most of that adult day market is, uh, is geared towards uh, public funding sources, Medicaid, uh, VA. And I think that there's a big opportunity for the private pay market to meet that need. And and so that that is something that we are actively looking into.
0: Let's talk a little bit about technology, because we hear about that a lot in this space. And companies are using technology to sort of keep tabs on patients. They're also collecting data that will help them um, figure out what kind of care they need to tailor to a specific individual. Are you using technology and what role do you think technology needs to play in the home care space?
1: We are using technology, and we want to be a early mover, early adopter in technology. So, right now, we have a partnership with Sensi AI, which is a voice-activated device that really helps us understand what is going on in a client's home from these voice data points. So, uh, we can tell, you know, our a You know, is a caregiver's interaction with a client soothing and positive or is there stress involved? We can get these data points from clients, uh, you know, maybe we're there during the day, but overnight they're calling out because they're in pain uh, or because they're not sleeping. So, uh, you know, we can bring that back to families and we can game plan together from there. Um, Diane, I... Well, while I want to be a first mover and early adopter, I, I'm also a skeptic. I'm a skeptic uh, when people oversell that technology will solve problems in and of itself. I, I fundamentally uh, don't think that there are very many technologies that do that. These technologies can be, and, and in many cases must be, a part of uh, new business models, new plans that can solve problems. But in and of itself, it is, almost, you know, most of these technologies are almost meaningless, honestly. So if you just put a Sensi device or you just put an Care device in a home and then expect that someone's not going to fall, well, you haven't solved, this technology is not solving gravity, <laughs> you know, or the, the, the problems that gravity can create. You know, it's not, solving uh, interpersonal dynamics, it's not solving isolation. So, uh, so so, I think that each of these technologies, uh, we, we've got to have a certain amount of humility with them and understand that it is part of a service, part of an offering, part of a business model that needs to solve these problems for families. The other thing that I've come to learn is that we shouldn't always presuppose again, we've got to have the humility that these technologies might help our clients in ways that we don't expect. My favorite example was with our 104-year-old client who lived down the street from me, uh, Dr. Jantz. Dr. Jantz loved Brahms and Chopin, and she liked to listen to NPR. And so I brought her a uh, Amazon Echo uh, device, plugged it in, showed, you know, well, I say showed, I told her how to use it because Dr. Yance was was almost entirely blind. And um, and so I I taught her how to request her music and request her uh, radio station. I thought she was just going to love listening to NPR and listening to, to this classical music. A few weeks later, when I came back, I asked her how she was liking the Amazon Echo. And she said, I have no idea what you're talking about, I said well, Dr. Jans, how do you like Alexa? She said, oh, I love Alexa. I said, that's wonderful. And, and I said, what are you using it for the most? She said, well, what do you mean? It can only do one thing. And I said, what's that? And she said, well, it can tell me the time. So while Jeff Bezos may uh, not be happy to hear that, uh, you know, that that a talking clock is is what he created for Dr. Yantz, even just being able to have the time read out to her by Alexa was really transformative and worth every dollar that, uh, that was spent on that Amazon Echo. So, um, you know, a, again, I think there are lots of different use cases. And, and the last thing I'll say about it is that um, senior care-focused technologies better, better bring their A game because it's difficult to compete with the Amazons and the Microsofts and the Googles of the world when it comes to these these hardware, software, integrated devices. Um, So so again, I think that uh, iPads and Amazon Echoes uh, and Apple Watches, these things are uh, are powerful and they're well-made and the price comes down year after year. And so, um, you know, I, I think that we as uh, providers, we as home care companies and care management companies, um, you know, should should not always be seduced that something is senior care focused because mass produced, mass marketed technology can really be adapted uh, in, in a lot of in a lot of instances. So, uh, so, so I'm I'm, I'm bullish, but uh, but it's about the business model and the integrated service, not about a device or a software solving problems.
0: We've got a a few more minutes here, and I want to touch upon the elephant that's sort of in the room. Um, We could probably spend a whole half hour talking about Medicare Advantage, Um, but we're in open enrollment right now, and we're seeing um, these plans coming out with a bit more um, expansive, I want to say, benefits in the home. Um. What opportunities do you see with MA plans? but then again, what are some of the challenges that you have with Medicare Advantage plans?
1: Diane, I do not want to touch that elephant with a uh, with a 20 foot pole. Um, I believe that uh, that home care should be um, that there there's a public good. Uh, I, I will say, to to home care and to enabling as many seniors to age in place as, as possible. At the same time, I think so much of what is wrong with our healthcare system today is the disconnect between payer, provider, and patient, or in our case, client. And that means that our healthcare system pays for a lot of things that people don't really need or want, or at the end of the day, even value, right? And then entire ecosystems of hospitals and clinics, you know, spring up um, and become self-reinforcing and they create their own barriers to entry and their own artificial moats. And so I, I don't want that to happen for home care and personal care. And, the biggest reason that we are not going to participate in MA plans anytime soon is that I really think it would actually stifle our ability to innovate. Um, when, when I share that we need new business models, you know, it will be a damn shame if a couple of years from now, we are only charging people on an hourly basis and we haven't figured out how to put together some daily or weekly type plans that are more goals and outcomes based, Um, you know, and and by goals and outcomes, I'm not just talking about avoiding ER visits. And I'm not just talking about, uh, you know, very specific health things. I'm talking about quality of life, how happy is uh, an older adult, how happy and less stressed uh, are their family members. Um, So I don't think that MA plans have the ability or the incentive to be thinking along those lines. And my fear with, uh, with really most of the government pay programs, whether it's Medicare Advantage or Medicaid, is that it changes a company's core competency from relationship building, which again, home care companies are really great at or should be great at, in our case, innovation, uh, you know, and trying to think about how to do things differently. Those are core competencies to be good at Medicaid, to be good at Medicare Advantage. You know, your core competencies like Medicare home health in many ways become compliance, billing and maybe logistics a little bit. But, you know, you really just got to be sharp on making sure that you're checking every box. You got to be really sharp on making sure that the first time you bill a claim, it goes through seamlessly. and. companies can do well in those spaces. I mean, Medicaid home care companies can have healthier margins than private pay. Uh, Medicare home health companies, obviously, you know, we have several examples of multi-billion dollar Medicare home health companies. So I, I don't begrudge them their success. I, I think that uh, kudos to them for uh, for finding that niche and, and doing a good job building those those capabilities. But that's not who I want to be. That's not who I want a ROSA as an organization to become because I, at the end of the day, I don't think if you're a family at home or if you're an older adult receiving care, you know, to think that the company you choose is just really outstanding at compliance and billing and that's what they are good at. And that's why they've grown and why they're big. Well, that's a pretty depressing state of the world. And so I I don't want to, you know, my my dream is 10 years from now, Medicare or CMS comes to us and says, Hey, Ari, we would love to sign up a bunch of clients that Medicare will pay the bill. Give us your contract and bill us like you would the Jones family and uh do your thing. That would be a dream for us. Um and, and so you know, we'll we'll work towards we'll work towards it. And and in the meantime, um you know, it is a good reflection that home care agent in place is becoming increasingly focused upon both by policymakers, by families um, and and by other parties. But uh, you won't see us in the Medicare Advantage world anytime soon.
0: Okay. Harry Medoff, CEO of Arosa. Great conversation. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Diane, thank you so much. Really appreciate all you do at McKnight's.
0: Thank you for listening to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in home care news, visit McKnightshomecare.com.